They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. And welcome back to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is your podcast that gives you all those lovely little tidbits and reviews of movies that were on the tier three list of the video nasties in the UK in the 80s. Joining me on this epic journey through what we've worked out is roughly three years of podcasting. That's right three years, um, is my good friend and co-host with the most is, of course, Mr. Mark Ball. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I'm in this for the long haul, even when the movies are kind of hit or miss. I think we did we did, uh, we did did pretty all right this week. These are not, uh, these are far, far, far from the <laughs> worst movies that we've even watched just in these five months. So this is like the, the ninth and tenth movie we've done for this show yeah. and uh yeah we did uh we did pretty all right this go around i'm i'm fucking thank god because last month was not good <laughs> not good re- at all i think the ratio thus far is about one third of the movies that we've seen in the first 10 i would class as uh either like enjoyable experiences to watch in that you know i, I found myself having fun with them to good movies and then two thirds of uh, utter dog shit. <laughs> yep, that's, that's the way it rolls with the uh, the bottom shelf list, as I'm going to start calling it. <laughs> the thing is, as well as I don't think that ratio is going to hold out all the way to the end. I like wholly imagine by the end of the three years, it's going to be like, let's cast a memory back to when that ratio was one third good, two third bad. Uh, as we now sit here on one eighth good. Seven eighths terrible. Yeah, eighty percent dog shit. <laughs> I do feel we're going to end up that way. Um, yeah, so we're, we're doing graduation day and midnight. Both movies from the early eighties, one in eighty one and the other in eighty two. Um, I'm very much looking forward to getting to these reviews. Uh, graduation day was covered last year on the slasher classic series that we do on the eighty eight films, and I had to dust off my DVD. The Arrow DVD for Midnight, which came all the way back out in 2011. It was one of my first purchases from that label. Um, and I don't think I watched it since about 2012, 2013, so a while ago. Um, so yeah, I, I was kind of I was interested to see where we land with that. But before we get to that, we always like to do a little bit of shooting of the shit at the start of these episodes. Um, and just now, just before we started recording there, you reminded me that you are currently doing the lord's work mark ball you are um even though you're in isolation where you are you are partaking in the full festival experience online um give us some information about um what is this chattanooga film festival and can you give us from the watches you've seen thus far anything we should have our eyes open for uh, moving forward yeah, absolutely. So we are we're recording this uh, May twenty fourth in the states. This is Memorial Day weekend, so this is a three day weekend. Uh, usually in Chattanooga, Tennessee, they have the Chattanooga Film Festival 
Um, it's 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 only like three days. It's they 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 get some really really great genre stuff, especially like horror stuff. Um, I think like Fangoria and Shockwaves and a bunch of other uh, people like that are usually involved. Obviously, with everything that's going on, uh, there is a lot of uncertainty if any film festivals are going to happen this mm-hmm. year at all. So uh, I think Chattanooga was kind of one of the first ones that was like. Um, well, and obviously like South by Southwest earlier in the year, Amazon kind of tried to do a thing where any of the filmmakers, uh, that were willing, they could have their, uh, movie that was supposed to play at South by Southwest put on Amazon prime so that everybody could see it. That's good for some people. If like the exposure is more important to you than actually like being able to sell this to like, you know, either digital or physical distribution kind of model. Um, but a lot of people didn't go for it because of piracy concerns mostly like the minute you put uh, your short film or your feature film online in a capacity where like lots and lots of people can get it there are going to be people stealing it and putting it on pirate sites almost immediately so uh, it's really hard to make money that way Um, and yeah Chattanooga I think was one of the first ones that uh, teamed up with Microsoft Uh, you have to watch it in either Microsoft Edge or Safari if you're a Mac user. And there's definitely, we, we tried a couple things just out of curiosity, and there's definitely some software there that's going to, I mean, we didn't try it. We didn't try stealing anything. Like, we tried, um, like, watching it from a mobile device or, like, doing, you know, like, screen share type stuff, and it's, it's all, it's locked up pretty tight. But, um... A three-day pass was only 30 bucks, and you get 25 features, I think, like, 30 or 40 shorts, and they've done a bunch of uh, live stream, like, live events, like they gave Joe Dante a Lifetime Achievement Award last oh, night. Oh, nice. <clears throat> um, that iced tea out, doing a, a like, uh, looking back kind of talk about surviving the game, mm-hmm. which, is a, which is a movie I love. Um, mm mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, I, I've watched a couple features. We, we started off with a movie called Skull the Mask, which is a Brazilian slasher. It was super gory and really beautifully shot. And, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're in the mood for, you know, if you're looking for the gory stuff, like kind of we were, we started off with uh, Skull the Mask. Um, it's, it was pretty great. Uh, let's see what else... Uh, last night we did a couple, we did a comedy called The Vice Guide to Bigfoot, which I think was written and directed by a dude that's worked for Adult Swim for years and years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't know what Vice, their actual involvement in this was, but, uh, it's, it's definitely like a comedy. It spends a good chunk of it kind of making fun of Vice and everything that they do. And it's about like a burnt out Vice journalist who follows like this phony Bigfoot expert out into the woods like on an expedition or whatever and lots of shit goes wrong uh i was really pleasantly surprised how much i like this it's a really funny comedy it's got some crazy fucking action and bloody shit going on at the end and uh uh i'm pretty sure this will be coming out on prime or something here at some point so uh mm-hmm. keep an eye out for that one um let's see what else do we watch watched a really really cool short film i don't know where you'll be able to get this except for maybe renting it on vimeo in the future called the haunted swordsman oh yeah is... you posted the poster art for this yeah, and the post... it's fucking incredible poster art so i i started watching this at work on friday like before i uh 
got got let go for the day. Not let go, but before they, you know, let me leave for the day, the weekend. <laughs> Just to be clear. Uh, I got like two minutes into this thing before realizing that it's entirely acted by puppets. Really? Fucking mind blowing. Like it's uh, yeah, it's 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 about seventeen minutes long. Mm-hmm. It's just this beautiful little samurai thing about like a samurai like trying to get revenge for his master that was killed by some horrible monster, and it is fucking gorgeous. I'm pretty sure they did a Kickstarter for this like a year or two ago, and these guys have had other like puppet shorts play in other film festivals, but. Uh, I love this so much. Is I I want a feature like version of this real real bad. So um, yeah, I, I'm sure. I think it played some other festivals last year, like late last year. But uh, um, yeah, if if you get a chance to see that one, it's fucking amazing. I was super super impressed. Nice. Uh, let's see, I think that's bad. Um, I saw another short that I remember reading about like a year or two ago, maybe. Uh, it's called Little Willie. And it stars, I'm pretty sure the kid that. Does that uh, mean something else over in Scotland? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Get, 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 your, get your chuckles out. Uh, <laughs> it starts that I'm pretty sure the kid that played uh, Little Andy from the Child's Play movies. And oh, it's right. sort of a fictionalized version of grown up him as like an alcoholic, like has been child star at horror conventions. Mm-hmm. And he's still tormented by the doll that he has to drag around all these cons. Uh, you know, he's, he's got the, the little willy and he's got his like catchphrase. It's, it's obviously supposed to be like him, like as you know, the kid from child's play kind yeah. of all grown up and, uh, really good. Adrian Barbeau shows up in it, and um, whoever the fucking kid from uh, Gremlins was, Zach something. Was a yeah him. Yeah, yeah him. I'm going through Efron Galifianakis, <laughs> like all the ones that it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's gonna annoy me. That, but the, yeah, that that was that that sure was a lot of fun. Um, I think that's uh. That's about it for what I've seen so far. I'm trying to think. Nice. Oh, uh, the Pandemic Anthology was an interesting thing. That was a collection of 15 shorts, uh, mostly shot in Brazil, but from a couple other places, all shot within the last couple months under lockdown. There's like a lot of them that are shot with Skype and a lot of them shot with Zoom. Mm. And uh, some of them were fucking god awful, I will say. Like some of them were absolutely <laughs> atrocious. But uh, an interesting idea, and there was a couple really good ones in there. I'm pretty sure, sh- I think this might be coming to Shudder or something here in the near f- future. Um, I-, I probably wouldn't watch it again, but it was it was cool. Like, I, I don't know, sometimes I like, like ra- rather than go for the sure thing, I'll, I'll-, I'll take a chance on something like that. And uh, yeah, that one was, you know, kind of kind of hit or miss, but uh, mm. worth, check- worth checking out, I guess. Cool. Cool. Well, um, what we'll probably do is at the end of the next recording, we'll probably check back in and see if there was anything that that floated your boat or anything that you would say is maybe an avoid, um, and we can we can see how we get on with that for sure. Yeah. Like I said at the start of this episode, Mark, well, we have two movies to discuss, uh, so we might as well get ready to do that. We're going to take a short break. You're going to hear learned words, wise, sage advice from a phone 
recording <laughs> of a DVD that I own off a TV um, where people talk about these movies from an academic background and then you will get myself and Mark discussing movie number one after its trailer. We're going to be doing a little review of Midnight from 1982. All that coming right up, right after this. Well, John Russo's Midnight is a very low-budget uh, feature. It's made for about $70,000 or something. Um, it's really made around about 1980 or didn't actually get released until about 1982. It's a real mishmash. It's kind of like, um, I think John Russo said he was influenced by the success of Friday the 13th, like many filmmakers. But this is kind of like, I mean, if you can imagine a potpourri of horror movie, not cliches exactly, but you've got the slasher movie, you've got um, the backward satanic cult, you've got, not zombies exactly, but like trying to resurrect a dead, dead grandmother or mother, I think it was. The backdrop is, is basically a young girl called Nancy who um, escapes home after being molested by Lawrence Tierney, who's a famous Hollywood actor who also went on to appear in The Prowler. John Russo was involved um, famously with Night of the Living Dead, which of course was a trendsetter by actually having a black protagonist. Um, and Midnight was one of the few kind of slasher movies or films from the early 1980s which actually had black characters in it. But there's also um, two characters that are kind of the most slasherific, I kind of guess, elements of the film. There's a black pastor and his teenage daughter. And in the moment where there's really with a real nod to the slasher movie is they get chased by this huge, fat, giggling, overweight, kind of um, backwards psycho with a machete um, and he chases around the house laughing. It's kind of a strange kind of movie but it's I mean I like it and also it's got probably one of the catchiest theme tunes of all early 80s movies. I mean it's 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 bad but I love it. Once you've heard it you can't get it out of your head. stars John Amplis, who was in Romero's Martin. John talks about the film, I think, in one of the DVD intros for when it was put out, saying that he was a little bit off his face when he did it, and um, but he managed to hold it all together. Great little fun movie. It's amazing how much you can do for $70,000. Um, some of the acting's a little bit, you know, rough around the edges, um, but Russo said, I think some of the film stock um, got uh, damaged or there was something wrong with it. So a lot of the better takes he couldn't use, which is why the film has a slightly strange feel to it because they use um, some of the takes that weren't quite as good. But it gives the film a bit of a dog-eared charm, I think. Midnight's put out by Intervision in the UK on video with a slightly misleading kind of cover because it showed um, this kind of zombie drinking from a kind of a chalice. And of course, there wasn't actually a zombie in the movie, but you know, hey-ho, sort of uh, misleading video com covers are, you know, a dime a dozen. And of course, the other thing, of course, with the movie, it's got Tom Savini special effects, which, um, of course, a selling point, but actually, even if you watch the uncut version, the special effects aren't all that to write home about. There's a, a decapitation scene in the film, which is quite graphic. Um, but again, because it's such a low-budgeted movie, um, it's not the it's not Savini's finest hour. It's not Russo's finest hour, but it's a, it's a fun movie. Tom is 19, Nancy 17, and Hank 21. They had a good time for a while, but now they're missing. It all started as innocent fun. The van, the drinking, the turn-ons, until they cross the county line. They cross the line into a lonely community where anything can happen, where anyone can disappear without a trace. And now from the pages of John Russo's best-selling novel, the story becomes a motion picture, Midnight. I thought I 
saw a shoe sticking out from under that blanket. Nah, he was just a big farmer with a bundle. Your mind's playing tricks on you, girl. You're all shook up. As soon as we find a good campsite, we'll smoke some of this good hash and loosen you up. Hold it there, fellas. Don't you make any foolish moves. Keep your hands visible. You reach for anything inside that bag, and I won't wait to see what you're reaching for. I'll just shoot. Maybe we'll uh, drag them out in the woods one at a time, question them separately. Good idea. might be right in front of you. <laughs> There's been a half a dozen people found dead around here just in the past couple of years since I came here to preach. Some look like accidents, some obviously murdered. It's all right, Sam. It's all right. Take your boy along. Get the road and watch it. Right. I'm looking on you, black boy. Which one of you owns this van? I do. Okay, take your six pack, get in the van, get out of town, now. You heard the man? Come move on, it. let's go. Let's go. go. We don't need your kind around here. Hank, move it. Let's go. They should have known better when they came into town. Every sign pointed to what could happen there. Every indication told them to leave, now. The wise guys in the bar, the preacher's warning, and the sheriff who made hate a way of life. Go, get out of town. We don't want your kind here. But they stayed. They stayed, and it became too late to leave. Too late as the clock approached midnight. Midnight. Now the book from the co-author of Night of the Living Dead comes to life on the screen. Don't miss John Russo's Midnight. And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for Midnight from 1982. This is written and directed by John E. Russo. The movie itself stars Melanie Verlin, uh, Lawrence Tierney, John Hall, C. Anthony Jackson, there's a lot of nobodies in this, Charles Jackson, Doris Hackney, Bob Johnson, uh, yeah, let's just jump on. Uh, the oh, only two of them have Wikipedia pages, I'd like to point out. Lawrence Tierney and John Amplis are the only people in this cast that have any <laughs> Wikipedia page, so this was hard to do much research on as far as that goes. Yeah, like this movie is one of these ones where um, I imagine when people were doing it, they were like, yeah, maybe this might not be my big break. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe I should go back to waiting tables. Um, the, the synopsis for this one is a young woman fleeing her sexually abusive stepfather hitches a ride with two young men, but the three soon find themselves at the mercy of a backwoods satanic cult. If you're gonna find the satanic cult, 
it will always be in the backwards, never in frontwards. That's that is the, that is the law. That's the law of averages on satanic cults. I will say this about this movie. Had this movie happened in 2020, there ain't no way that an implausible scene of a drunken stepfather macking on his stepdaughter would not be popular. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pornhub uh, 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 has changed yep. her perception of. <laughs> I was gonna say fun. certain certain websites. That's gonna be your 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 top of the fucking list as far as plays and downloads. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh my god. What the fuck is uh, wrong with people, by the way. I have no idea. You know what the thing is as well is like, see when you watch these things, you, it's blatantly obvious that that's not the case. You know what I mean? It's clearly oh, yeah. not a stepfather and a stepdaughter <laughs> or a stepmother and a stepson. It's clearly just porn actors and porn actresses, and we don't even get that much. Not that I've done much deep diving, Mark, but the, <laughs> you know there isn't a ton of dialogue in them either to say that. Oh, I can't believe I'm doing this to my stepson. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't understand it. Out with, you know, the, like. Maybe the title. I don't know. I, I, maybe it's the title that gets people. It gets clicks. It gets clicks. That's what it comes down to, really. Yeah. I think. Get, 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 I'm sure it gets more than clicks. Um, so <laughs> Yikes. Um, yeah, so so uh, some of the, the, the interesting little tidbits before we get into this one. <laughs> um, oh, Lord, I see what you did there. Yep. Uh, despite some of the similarities, this is on IMDb, to Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I saw no similarities, Mark. Uh, no, 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 not really. No. None. Uh, Johnny Russo had said that he'd never seen the film at the time he wrote and shot Midnight. According to him, Chainsaw is not an influence. Johnny Russo, you're a fucking liar. <laughs> you sit there in your ivory fucking tower made out of all the money you made off Midnight. <laughs> know where I'm going with this and fucking you click oh dear dear and uh, the other one that I thought was quite interesting uh, is and it shows by the way it really does show that this was shot years before 1982 this was actually shot like late 70s uh, which explains a whole hell of a lot about the cinematography and the fact yep. that in 1982 movies didn't look like this <laughs> even no. the low budget ones <laughs> so <laughs> um what did what did you think of Midnight? Because this was a first time watch for you. I'd seen it before, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in your take on it. I'm, I'm gl- first of, first off, I'm glad that you confirmed that this was shot well before 1982 because mm. I've watched. Uh, I'm I'm pretty. I probably watched the a, a version of the same DVD that you've got that I found on the YouTube's. Uh, <laughs> All the tracking at the top. <laughs> Uh yeah yeah I mean it's it's it, the the film the film stock they used was probably super cheap to begin with and mm. it probably sat around for fucking five or six years however long like from the late seventies when they actually shot it. Yeah. it 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 looks like sixteen but it's not like it's not like super sixteen wide or anything like that it it just looks grainy as fuck and just looks like shit and a lot of it they shot like out in the fucking gray ass like it looks like a shot in fall because everything is just gray and washed out which i honestly think kind of works to this movie's advantage and uh i agree yeah i think honestly i think this had a lot more in common with like like last house on the left kind of than texas chainsaw massacre because these people aren't really like country bumpkins or like you know cannibals or they're they're just like they're i don't know they're 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 a little more nebulous they're like 
just the bad people out there that your parents try and warn you about, kind of. Which, the same could be said about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, just on a way, way more fucked up level. Yeah, um, I think I think we're, we're, we're the... I think that to assume that the premise and setup and execution of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the first time that that had been done, then maybe I can see comparisons. But there's plenty of other evidence out there of other cinema and storytelling and movies that were using that kind of, oh, you've stumbled into the wrong place now. Now you're at the hands of this deranged family. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is just the, the iconic entry of that. It's the one that really is set apart from all the others because of surprisingly how well it's done. Um, Midnight to me owes a lot a lot more to weirdly enough late 70s horror than like the kind of earlier 70s stuff and specifically doesn't feel that far removed from the sort of cinematography and setting that you would see in a movie like um, either something like Just Before Dawn, which I watched recently again, um, or even something like Don't Go in the Woods Alone, uh, which are, you know, Don't Go in the Woods Alone is a, a video nasty and a particularly cheap cheap one at that. But it kind of felt more in line with those ones. The, the acting isn't terrible in this. There's a couple of, like, I mean, it's not great either. Um, but it's not, it's not terrible. And... I, I can see, like, by the time we get to the end of this movie, apparently most of the budget was gone. So, and there was only three people on the crew when they shot it, like, including the director. So this you can kind of tell. Yeah, this is made for fucking nothing. And they were pretty much out of money by the time they come up to the end. So even then, the reason it feels kind of abrupt in the way it ends is because... That's, they didn't have any money to go back and reshoot anything or redo anything and then you move, you move things on a couple of years and it's not worthwhile going back to shoot it because people look different you know, yeah, yeah. all that <laughs> stuff you, you just don't have that option anymore so but yeah I think I mean to, I, my, my issue with or umbrage with him saying that he'd never seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is you work in genre cinema you're writing scripts for a ton of movies that are horror movies and you're involved with that scene and you're telling me that in the late 70s you'd never seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre you lived in America. I, I call Bill Sean. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably a lie. Yeah. I, I mean, I, what I would say is I would lean into it. Yes, I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre and I had never thought of it that way. I'm surprised that you see the similarities because this is all the ways I think the movie's different. And then leave it at that but to say like I've never seen this that's like Brian De- Brian De Palma's the best one for that <laughs> where he's like he's a wee he's a wee um, he's like a wee making movies like um, oh fuck the one with uh, Michael Kay Dress to Kill He's yeah. a way of making Dress to Kill and he's claiming when he's making Dress to Kill he's never seen movies like Tenebrae and shit like that and you're like, you clearly have! You clearly have! <laughs> you like, definitely have, dude. You, you mean, what, what is the psycho movie that you speak about? I've never seen it. Yes, you have! You fucking have. Just admit it! That's why I loved his his movie, that, that De Palma documentary that came out like a couple of years ago where he basically just came clean on the whole thing and he was like, that, listen, you know... Uh, people say that you know, oh you you ripped off uh, Hitchcock and it's like I, I mean I was influenced by Hitchcock and you know I'll be honest if you are a filmmaker and you see you're not influenced by Hitchcock and you're making thrillers then you're either a liar or an idiot 
Yeah. You know, he's like leaned right into it. He's like, yeah, he's like Hitchcock was the greatest di- director of his time, if not ever. So yes, did he have an influence on me? Yes. Yes, did I take some of his stories and adapt them? Yes. I'm like, well, I played Brian De Palma. <laughs> like, I see where you're going with that. The, but- the big one, the big one, I think, is the Twilight Zone. Almost every fucking horror movie mm-hmm. ever made, like post when the Twilight Zone originally ran, was a Twilight Zone or a Rod Sterling story or a Ray Bradbury story or yeah. fucking Hitchcock movie. Like everything is a rip off of everything. So uh, there's nothing wrong with admitting that you were influenced by things. Of course not. Of course not. And Midnight certainly has that vibe because uh, because it, it's like weirdly be- like. I'll tell you why that another reason you know it was shot in the late seventies is all the satanic demon shit at the end. Yep. All this like that is that that is not early eighties. We'd moved on from that in the early eighties. That is late seventies. Like every other movie in the, the mid to late seventies was demon this or Satan that. So I mean those are the key telling things. So by the time you reach that part, it's totally out of place for eighty two. So that's what I think. Yeah, as far as uh as far as like objectionable content, like kind of why I think this landed on the nasties list, uh, I, I going back to the the uh, scene at the beginning with Lawrence Tierney, like basically getting fucking drunk and getting real handsy and like about to do some terrible things to his stepdaughter. Uh, I, I fucking way thought I was going to hate this movie like at the beginning of this. And I didn't really know anything about this other than that John Russo was involved. And this has kind of a great cold open and the opening credits are kind of like a weird, like kind of draws you in one direction. And then this movie like actually starts up after the opening credits and it's, it, it jumps right into the scene. Yeah. With drunk Lawrence tyranny, which is fucking terrifying in itself. <laughs> And, um, so like, just tear your top off. Yep. Just, your t- just let me see Ugh. them. I'll be fine if you just let me see them. And it's I'm, fucking uh, gross. Uh, and like, I think only an actor like Lawrence Tierney could like pull that off so well and like be yeah. willing to fucking play that part. I think. <laughs> and uh, yeah, props to him for that because it made my fucking skin crawl and almost made me want to turn this goddamn thing off. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm I'm kind of glad that I stuck with it because this is a, like I think this is a pretty fucking nasty little movie by like the end of it. It's it's got some like gruesome Tom Savini like early Tom Savini special effects. And mm-hmm. The the whole just the whole movie kind of beats up on our poor female protagonist. She's like I mean for a little bit she's with she gets picked up by the two dudes in the van. Who goes, like it, goes out our way to offend one of them by singing sleeve songs on the campfire? Uh-huh. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's that whole scene, and there's there's like a little bit of like commentary on like her her religious beliefs and stuff. They have like mm-hmm. a little bit of conversation with that, and I actually genuinely think like some of that stuff is pretty well written for a super duper low budget. Like John Russo could write. I'm pretty sure this was based on a book. It's his know. book, yeah. He he like, it's his book that he wrote. So he he adapted his own novel to make this movie. So Yeah. He's he's, he's clearly a good writer. Yeah. And like yeah, I, I don't know. There, there are some, there's some parts of this that are a little bit clunky, but um as, as far as that goes, yeah, I, th- I think this is uh this movie, this, this movie definitely goes there. It's uh, I, I, I was reading some of the reviews on Wikipedia where like he was definitely at the time criticized for like how far some of the violence goes like towards the end of this, and uh, I, I think he knew exactly what he was doing. And uh, like I said, I, I think this is movies like this were kind of in vogue like towards the late seventies and early eighties, and you could get away with a lot of shit and yeah, probably still release the- it unreleased, un- unrated in yeah. America. 
Yeah, th- these are the sort of movies that would go straight to the drive-thru. You know what yep. I mean? Like, they would go straight there, unfiltered. They would do the rims, they would double bill with other movies and just make their way around them. And, you know, you would get a ton of attention. People would see them and then they would, you know, disappear. And th- that's that's kind of how Midnight feels to me as a as a movie. I think the, the strongest elements of the movie are a lot of what you've covered. I love the fact that the opening is kind of like a you know it doesn't really set in any specific time either you get this kind of cold open with these kids and you're watching it and like the mother's making them do like <laughs> um, horrible things to this trapped girl um, and then we essentially were in a, a kind of these kids are now growing up and this is the, the cause and effect of that you see them if anything <laughs> interestingly enough if anything if we're talking about comparisons to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, one could argue that Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake, rips off a little bit of this with the idea of them dressed as police officers or being involved yes. that way. I, I think that's the, that's the bit that I think is really quite clever about this is because in most of these bumbling movies of, you know, like... Last House on the Left. Exactly. Like, the, the police are usually there in some capacity to be either very late to the party or to save the day at the end. And the fact that they take these authority figures, specifically when you look at like the Lawrence Thierry ca- character who is, for all intents and purposes, a rapist, um, uh-huh. at the start he's the law enforcement and then the next time we see law enforcement in this movie, it's two fucking Satanists from a family of inbreds. You know, like, you, like you've got, I, I, I like that. I think there's a commentary there or a conversation there that he's maybe trying to put out and maybe not not prevalent as such but there's something in the background i enjoy that and i'm I'm with you i think it takes a bit of time to get going in parts i mean it starts off fairly uncomfortable and vulgar and then we have a ton of road trip (laughs) so much road trip in this movie um but once we get past that, the last like twenty minutes are you know girls being locked up in cages. Of the fact that once they've got two, they're like, let's just go and let's just go to this family who are like who live in a remarkably nice area, which is right beside their like creepy backwoods bit, um, and we're going to stalk them and, and and all that stuff that lines up, and then to see where the movie ends up right at the very end with these ideas of you know satanic. Uh, sacrifice and cult worship and whatnot. I, I like that the the kind of arc of the story. I don't think it's an amazing movie. I don't think it's even necessarily a great movie. But I think considering this is made on shoestring, um, two hundred grand is how much this yeah, cost. Yeah, I mean, like at that time to to buy film and all the rest to get out and get this done and and whatnot. I think it's 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 actually not bad. Um, and I was I was surprised once again coming back to it. It's not as I, like I have a very strong memory of when I bought this in DVD and watching it, going, "This is fucking amazing." Um, and watching it this time around, they're like, "This is pretty cool." And, and I don't know once again if it's the you have to line it up with some of what we watched recently, and maybe <laughs> that's what's that's what's making it stand it a bit better. But I do think even in isolation, if you're a fan of that kind of lo-fi Americana sort of horror cinema that kind of the out in the woods or the the kind of family you shouldn't go near sort of story Midnight does it gives you a lot of what you expect but I think it does it in a really competent way so yeah I, I was I, I was actually pleasantly surprised um, that we, we ended up with because I, I I do really like Graduation Day and I can't wait to get that but uh, like I, I ended up with two 
to good experiences this this month has, has made me change my outlook on the world, Mark. I know I'm about to get spat on by the list, but um, at the moment, I'm kind of high on life. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, this this was, and, and again, I, I, I'm feeling deja vu with the whole thing of like the first five minutes of the movie I'm watching for this show. I'm just like, oh, Jesus Christ, please, God, not another one of these fucking woman-hating movies. And this actually turned out to not be that. I, I was, I was really, man, man I, I'm glad you mentioned the thing about the cops in this movie too, because that was like. This this movie was full of surprises, basically. So yeah, um, this this was uh, yeah. I, I, I'm glad I I'm glad I got to watch this. This is also another one that I I feel like George Romero completists probably need to get under their belt because I this was shot in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. John, John Russo worked with Romero a lot. Obviously, like John Amplis, our 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 boy Martin shows up in this movie as the fucking one of the bad cops. Yep. And uh, I'd be willing to wager there's other people in this movie that have some sort of connection to other George Romero movies. It's like I said, there's no Wikipedia page for any of these people, so it's hard to hard to do a whole lot of research. I think I'm in a George Romero group on Facebook somewhere. Maybe I'll ask them and see what they they say about this movie. Connect some, some of these dots, but um, yeah, yeah, this is for definitely for George Romero completists or just Pittsburgh movie. Uh, completists in general kind of uh, check this one out for sure nice nice right let's let's talk about grades for this one um, it's always fun doing this bit uh, if this is your first episode to do in the last year listened to you should have went back and checked out more uh, because we explain them or I try and explain them it gets more complicated every time I try and explain them uh, we have a four tier grading system here if the movie from our opinion it uh, does nothing wrong at all, and actually its inclusion on the list seems kind of silly. Um, then it is a complete case dismissed. That's right. Uh, if this one maybe has a a, a, a wiggly toe that has entered the pool of egregiousness, then maybe, maybe it gets a little slap on the wrists. If things are starting to get a bit gnarlier though, it's maybe pushing the boundaries of what would be considered acceptable at the time. Then we're going to look at some community service for this motherfucker, um, or or if this is flat out nightmare rocket fuel, um, then you know this one's going to be committed to some hard time for sure. Uh, for me, actually, specifically because of how it opens and towards the end as well, I'm going to go slap on the wrist for this one. I think there's enough in here to to merit some sort of some sort of action. Um, Certainly, this is not a case dismissed purely because the the opening scene, it, the opening scene with the with Lawrence Terry is so uncomfortable to watch for sure, and then we get a bit more of the kind of rapey rape at the end, uh, or implications or implied rape towards the end as well, which I, you know, whenever you put that on the screen, it's go, it's going to get the it's going to get my back up a little bit. So yeah, I'm I'm going to swing in on this one with a slap on the wrist. Smart ball, where do you fall on this one? Man, I was I was just thinking about it, and this 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 movie goes pretty fucking hard in the paint, as they say. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, like overall overall tone on this thing is pretty dark. There's there's a fucking considerable amount of bloodshed in this thing, and decapitations, mm-hmm. and drinking blood, and satanic imagery, and yeah, implied molestation and fucking rape and. Uh, racial undertones. I know that yep. was something that made people super uncomfortable back then. <laughs> yep. um, 
This, uh, yeah, I, I might give this guy a little bit of community service because he knew, they, they, they knew exactly what they were doing. It definitely when you get Tom Savini involved, like you, you, you're, you're going, you're going hard. <laughs> you, you don't, you don't, you don't pull Savini on your set to, you know, do, do some wimpy shit. He's, he's, he's yeah. going hard in the paint. So I think I'd give this guy a little bit of community service. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, this is early, this is early, early Savini as well. So if they're shooting this late seventies. This is before his involvement with some of the some of the work that would solidify his name as the go-to guy in horror effects. This is probably well. right before Friday the Thirteenth. I would imagine he'd already done Dawn of the Dead, which yeah. you know is like pretty amazing. But I don't know if it necessarily showcases. It, it, it's more Dawn of the Dead's effects are like a little bit more about trickery, trickery rather than like straight out gore. Like I'm thinking yeah. of the machete to the head kind of shot. Like it, it, Dawn of the Dead is a lot more economic. By the time he got to Friday the Thirteenth, I think he got to experiment a little bit more <laughs> and do like do a little bit gnarlier shit and then like not too long later i think we get his absolute magnum opus which is day of the dead oh yes oh yeah 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 and then there's your link as well that you were saying your romero link as well off the back oh yeah yeah yep. so, savini's yeah. another one savini completed so you gotta check out midnight nice right we have another movie to discuss i am very excited to talk about this one because mark hadn't seen this one either i saw it last year for the first time and yeah, <laughs> I really like it. <laughs> I claimed that it would pair really well with PCs, and I want to find out if Mark now, after seeing that movie, agrees. Uh, so you're going to hear um, some more learned comments uh, about Graduation Day. When we return after the trailer, we're discussing that movie right after this. Graduation Day, one of the feeblest of all slasher movies. It's even got a feeble poster tagline. There are 200 seniors at Midvale High and seven days till graduation. Huh? It came to you from uh, the professionals at Pinewood, Ivor Film Services, who on the back are proud to say that other video gold titles include The Stranger and the Gunfighter, Bloody Birthday, The Slipper and the Rose, and Hugo the Hippo. Frankly, there's probably more scary stuff in Hugo the Hippo than there is in Graduation Day. It's one of those movies where you watch it and halfway through you realise you were remembering another film that was sort of similar. I was remembering The Graduation, or maybe The Prowler, or maybe Final Exam, or Cutting Class, or Rush Week, or any of those other campus slasher movies. This is a campus slasher movie. It stars Christopher George, a great exploitation character playing the uh, the arrogant coach who has, has, has pressured one of his... Uh, athletics team to to die on the, the field so someone's killing all the rest of them uh in mildly appropriate ways oh michael pataki our old friend from uh, director of mansion of the doomed uh is in it uh, playing another grumpy authority figure and a bunch of kids you've never seen before and you didn't see again uh come on and get killed it is quite the most ordinary of these movies i have to say and there are a lot of ordinary slasher movies around this sort of there's a mystery in it but it's utterly transparent uh there's sort of a premise that the the sports team are killed with their own equipment but actually they don't even do that much of that you know there's no, not not too much of the playing with the javelin there were plenty of other films in which people die in exercise related ways the last Final Destination movie had a 
an acrobat dying while doing a gymnastic routine that is so much more impressive than anything in this picture. I have no idea why anyone would find this offensive. I can't imagine even the most censorious watching this and then remembering it the next day to phone up and complain. But somebody must have done once. There are 200 seniors at Midvale High and seven days till graduation. Class of 81 is going out in style, and they're having the time of their life. It's been a great year for Midvale High. The track team finished first in the state. Then again, Midvale always produces winners. Sally Prescott is the top gymnast in the school. She plans to go to college in the fall. Castoff won five cross-country events in the past year. She jogs to school every morning. Ralph Johnson is the football team's star halfback. Pete McFarlane set the state record in the pole vault. Tony and Dolores were king and queen of the prom. The class of 81's being fitted for caps and gowns and coffins. There's 200 seniors at Midvale High and seven days till graduation. Too bad there'll be no one to celebrate with. Graduation Day. And welcome back. So you just heard the trailer for Graduation Day from 1981. This one is directed by Herb Freed, based on the screenplay by Herb Freed and Anne Marissi. Um, this movie stars Christopher George. Oh, does it ever. Um, they cut that poor girl in half when she was still alive. <laughs> I love Christopher George. Uh, Patch McKenzie, E. Danny Murphy, E.G. Peeker, Michael Pataki, um, who you may, you may be thinking to yourself, how do I know this name, Michael Pataki? Uh, you may be sitting there thinking that to yourself, maybe? Were you thinking that to yourself? Or maybe uh, you yes. I'll you go were? with yes. <laughs> you're like, I love you like, Duncan who the fuck keep, is that guy? <laughs> Duncan will keep saying this until I answer. Uh, I answer. <laughs> well, this is this. This is the guy who direct Mansion of Doom, which we talked about. Oh no, shit! Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard Ballin, Carmen Argenzanzio. That, that's the name. Uh, and there are other folk here, and some that you will have seen in other movies, like Linnea Quigley, for example, who is in this movie. Yep. Um, but we will jump on to, because we could spend all day just reading that, uh, we're going to jump on to the synopsis, which is, a mass killer begins murdering students on the school track team after the track runner dies upon completion of a 30-second, 200-metre race. So yeah, that is your setup. This is 1981. Um, this this also this also has a whole seven minute music video roller skater rama sequence in the middle oh, for God. no reason yes, at all. Does. 
for no reason at all other than to make me absolutely fucking smile from ear to ear. Um, it's literally like that. Duncan is born this year. Let's give him something he will find 38 years from now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's let's get into this one. Once again, I'm going to let you lead us off here because I saw this one last year and I've done a review of it over on Podcast Under the Stairs where I, I kind of just sat like talking about how much fun I had watching it. I did see that I think it really does pair well with PCs. Um, so that'll be my opening question to you. Do you think I'm right? Does this pair well with PCs? Ab- Absolutely. <laughs> this is uh, this is like the sister film two pieces. Like they almost exist in the same. Like I'm just gonna pretend Christopher George is the same character and he quit being a cop and went and went and went to be a fucking high school a hard ass high school coach he's 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 running those kids fucking ragged and he's running them to death apparently (laughs) yeah yeah one of them drops fucking dead like right before graduation basically in a a track meet or something and uh yeah uh this absolutely does pair really well with pieces you're you're gonna have to forgive me i i watched this two weeks ago and i've watched at least a fucking dozen movies since then so specific memories on this are gonna be a little bit hazy but uh, I remember the first two thirds of this thing is super duper pieces. Uh, it's kind of uh, it kind of goes back and forth between uh, like a bunch of the students and Christopher George and like a few other characters. There's lots lots of gross misogyny in the first two thirds of this. Lots of stuff oh, about like students <laughs> students sleeping with teachers, students sleep trying to sleep with each other, like horn dog fucking high school boys. This feels very... I know Trauma didn't make this. They just released it. But a lot of the humor feels very just frat boy, like 13 like thirteen yeah. to frat boy age kind of fucking humor. Yeah, it's uh, very Trauma-esque in terms of its humor. Not not its effects, but its humor. It, it lands in a lot of that. Like It knows its demographic 100%. Right. And it's playing Absolutely. directly to that. Yeah. And, and it's fairly gory, like, the, the slashery parts is, like, kind of what gave me hope the first two-thirds of this. The rest of it, I was super worried, and I was like, oh my god, why does Duncan like this? This is fucking, uh, this is, like, so fucking cringy in 2020. Uh, but then we get, like, a little closer to the last third of this movie, and, again, this is where my memory's gonna be a little bit hazy, but I definitely remember, like, just, like kind of sitting upright in my seat at some point and being like mm-hmm. oh fuck this movie's like actually doing some shit here at the yep. end it's like throwing us some curveballs and some some not so obvious and some fairly obvious red herrings like towards the end but uh mm-hmm. this uh you're you're gonna have to kind of remind me what the fuck happens in the last <laughs> third of this because it kind of comes fast and it kind of does the hobbit ending where it could have ended or the lord of the rings ending where it could have ended you know, five or six different scenes, and then it kind of keeps going for another scene. And I'm like, oh shit, it's doing more. Yeah, that, like to, to me, the, the strength of Graduation Day as a movie is one, it feels, I mean, let's be cynical about it, right? Why, why have we got a movie called Graduation Day? Well, because we had a movie called Friday the 13th, because we had a movie called, you know, Halloween, because we have a movie called April Fool's Day, because we have a movie called Happy Birthday to You. You know, all these things um, are happy birthday to me. Like, that's like the big, the big reason behind this is we are just picking anything that we can give a daily event to. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we're, 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 we're tagging it in there for sure. Um, 
where I think it really starts to find its feet, and you are right, like there's a whole lot of what I would class as the more kind of cringy, egregious examples of what early slashers are maybe more known for doing. Like a lot of the templates that we would see in later movies um, that now are trying to kind of piggyback on the, the good old days of slasher movies. It's all this shit here. It's like these are these are all the kind of the, the archetypes of character development that you're going to get, which is usually not a lot. <laughs> and uh, usually guys that are only interested in one thing, girls that are only interested in doing the things that the guys want to do. Um, like there's there's no in a lot of respects here, we're still even forming the idea of the the final girl in 1981 is still not necessarily the thing. I mean, it's been used, but it's, but it's not a, 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 a term that's been flung around that needs to be in movies. And you are right, what you basically get is this, uh, you get like the end of this movie and then a kind of post end to this movie as well, which I kind of like, what, what I love about it though is that when we start to move off in the last third, the killing ramps up. There's, there's a lot of death in this movie. Um, yeah. And it happens at fairly regular intervals, almost as if the, the screenwriters at the time, or even the directors like that, right, we went 10 minutes without a kill, we need a kill. Um, and I think that there are plenty of examples of movies that we've covered here, for example, Midnight, the year before this movie, where you, or sorry, the year after this movie, where like maybe half an hour is just road tripping, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? With nothing happening. This movie keeps the pace going. As such, I think it's about an hour and a half, and it fucking flies in like graduation yeah. daisy quick watch um and then you get to the end you have well you were talking about the red herrings there there are obvious kind of well you're not the killer <laughs> like, you're being silly graduation day uh like, i'm not going to fall for that when the killer's actually revealed i like that i think it's i'm going to try and avoid spoiling the killer right. reveal as well because i do think this is one that people should go out and check out um, and it feels, it doesn't feel, I, I recently watched Happy Birthday to Me. Um, yes. Yes, I watched it for the the listener choice thing on, on the teapots uh, side of stuff. And I want to really like that movie. I really, really do. But it is almost two hours long. Uh, Coming out the same year as this as well. It's almost, almost two hours long, which why <laughs> this is a fucking slasher why yeah and that's two, insane yeah to the ending is just fucking bonkers I mean to the point where I'm like that this doesn't make any sense at all and at least two of these kills you could not have done you know like at, at all just it doesn't the timelines don't match up and all the rest and graduation day it does actually kind of make sense um, which means it gets on some level, a bit of props from me and that my brain doesn't fracture when that reveal is made. Right. And plus, there's a couple of, like, see the 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 roller rink scene that we were talking about, which is should be ingrained in your memory for all time because it's fucking amazing. Um, just the, the hair and the guitars and the scares. Um, what I love about that is how much, like, everyone is having fun and partying whilst that's juxtaposed, while that music's playing, with someone being brutally hunted down in the woods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just... And the, the payoff to that death is fucking vicious. And that's where it kind of levels up for me, um, is that you get these great scenes of of death in this movie, which feel... 
kind of awesome. You know what I mean? Like they're 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 not the the most remarkable at all. But for 1981, without having the big names and special effects that you would expect, and being a hokey movie called Graduation Day, I kind of expect the worst from it. I kind of expect to sit down and go, "Here's one that's trading off the name." Let's go. And then it gets to the end and I'm like, well, actually, it delivered everything that I wanted from an early slasher movie. And the, the it doesn't, you know, spare the rod, so to speak, in the death that it delivers. Um, it shot surprisingly well. Like, some of, some of the, the tracking shots and cinematography are, are surprisingly, surprisingly well shot. And then you have... Pretty good acting here. Like, Christopher George, like, goes from being a lovable cop in the same year, because Pieces is all... Pieces technically came out in 1982, but was shot in 1981. So, assuming this movie was shot in 1980, he would have left graduation day and went on and done Pieces. It's also about the same time as City of the Living Dead, which is also Christopher George. So, Christopher George, in the space of one year, worked on Filchie's City of the Living Dead, uh, Freed's graduation day and Simone's pieces. Was he not just having the best year and a half of his life ever? <laughs> I'm sure at the time, maybe it didn't quite seem like it. To him, <laughs> but in hindsight, all these years, yeah, he was probably drunk. But all these years later, yeah, that's a as a fucking string of like three of my fra- favorite movies. Uh, graduation day is a new, newer, but yeah, City of the Living Dead and pieces. Uh, we've talked about both those movies yeah. over and over and over again on shows before, so... Yeah, say those, those are three bangers. Yeah, it's like, and you can track the journey of that, you know, that filming. So, obviously, you know, you know, did a bit in America, did a bit across in... Um, over in some Spain, yeah, which is no Spain by way of Boston, Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boston. <laughs> and then back over to so you know and there's something about like him as an actor that I I find really engaging. So you've got him at the core as like you see this complete hard ass sort of track coach dude just making people miserable because he wants everyone to be <laughs> the, the the best and the fastest they can ever be. And I love the I love those elements of it. I think that's the strength of Graduation Day. I don't necessarily think it's the greatest slasher in the world, but then again, I don't think PCs is the greatest slasher in the world. What I look for in these movies, more than anything is, at the end of it, did I enjoy the experience to the end and the reveal? Has it been worth the journey? Graduation Day is totally worth the journey. It's not top tier slasher at all, but it's so much fun. It's and like, like I say, you throw a you throw a fucking eight minute music video in the middle of this, and <laughs> like like the balls in this director's just like that, yeah, and, and like the, like this this song naturally finishes about three times during that, and they just keep playing, and I, I'm just like, it, it was a, ba- a signed band as well. I can't remember who they are as well. I think it comes up at the, the credits at the end, but they are actually a signed act, so they they had music videos, <laughs> like, and they were also in graduation day. So all that stuff kind of works well. You've got Linnea Quigley in it. She's not like the biggest role in this movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I enjoy seeing her. She's, you know, she's she's in here doing what she's doing before she would go off and stick a, a bit of lipstick in her tip. Um, so, <laughs> Dance yeah. naked on a gravestone. <laughs> yeah, so I can handle that. Um, but yeah, it's like, for the most part, for me, uh, I've, I've worked at it as Felony's the name of the band. 
and felony. Appa- yep, apparently... <laughs> That's the char- band you want to play in your fucking prom. Apparently they charge no money for their songs being featured in this movie, which feels about right. Uh, so- they did it as community service because their band name is Felony. <laughs> they got out on good behavior. Um, so, yeah, I think... I, th- I think overall, like... To me, Graduation Day is one of those ones where if you are getting into slasher movies, right, you're, you're starting to, to find your groove, you've watched the, the ones that everyone has told you to watch, so you've watched those early Friday the 13th movies, you, you've you checked out um, The Burning, which is obvious, you have to check out The Burning, which is a year after this as well, um, but you've checked out things like The Burning, you watch your way through some of those Halloween movies, you know, you're, you're even you're just before Dawn's, even though that I'm, I'm not the hottest person on that movie, but you're, you're watching these kind of slasher movies and you want to start to branch out graduation day is a good shout man it really is i think you sit down you watch it it's fun it's entertaining it's kind of bonkers yes it's politics are horribly dated but you're going to struggle to find many movies set in a college in 1981 which the politics aren't fucking horrendous yeah but i I do i I appreciate what what it does do um, and the resolution at the end we tag an extra bit on the end there just as a, I think that's just what you did in 81 when you were making a horror movie It was all I think if you were a cinema gore then watching to see a horror movie you almost anticipated the kind of final reveal of the one last scare so the fact that this tags on a little something at the end which doesn't necessarily go exactly how you might want it to go um, if anything it's just kind of wrapping things up that everything's going to be okay I don't, I'm not necessarily against that um, yeah, overall, I think Graduation Day is a ton of fun and surprisingly, maybe one of the more competently made movies that we've discussed thus far in terms of it actually looks like money was spent on this one. Um, like, you know, like people actually were getting paid <laughs> like in things other than a crate of beer. Um, unless you're Christopher me. George. Christopher George probably got paid in, in money and, and crates of beer, probably. Yeah, yeah well, and fel- Christopher felony. George. Yeah, Christopher George is 100% drunk in every movie made from 1979 <laughs> to 1983. Like, 100%. Like, you can, you can tell it in his eyes. He They never let him sober up. Uh, he's just like, fucking... Um, and that's why he's always kind of got that kind of... That, that buzz smile. You know, that, that smile that you start getting in your face when that third beer just hits you right. You're like, oh, this is going to be a good day. Well, I, I, have to rem- I have to remember words now. That's not going to work. Christopher George just says his own lines. Run! Run, you little bitch. Um, so, yeah, I, I really dug it. I'm, I'm glad that, well, it seems like you, you had a bit of a, a good time watching it as well, which makes me happy because this was the one that I was like, oh, yeah, we get to tell about graduation day. And if we swung into this show and you'd be like that, Duncan, if this is what makes you happy on this list, then... <laughs> I'm bailing now. Episode five, this show is over. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, the, the, towards the beginning of both of these movies, I got a little bit worried at some point. I was just like, oh no, these more of these doing the nasty movies are gonna just break my soul. But yeah, de- definitely, really both of them. By the end of them, I was really pleasantly surprised and would cons- I, I would call both of these above average for sure. There's, they, they both have stuff that you can see a lot of similar uh, things in a lot of other movies and probably a lot better movies, but uh, these, especially compared to some of the stuff we've watched for the show, are both, both, I'd say, way above average. 
So uh, yeah, and, and you, you gotta you gotta watch all the the Christopher Georges. They're like Pokemon. You gotta collect them all. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this this one comes right around the same time as Pieces in the City of the Living Dead. So um, yeah, if, if for no other reason, watch it that. But also watch it because it's it's pretty well done. It's it's really well written. It's the, the violence is pretty splattery. Oh, yeah. There's definitely some good gore stuff going on in this. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't really know why I ever checked this one out. Up until then, I, I don't know. I, I think at some point I kind of slowed down on the trying to watch all of the early '80s, late '70s, like slasher stuff. Like, there's, there's so of, much. Yeah, there's so much. Yeah, it's, it's, it gets to a stage where they, I think people won't understand very much. Like Jallo's, like there was a time period where there's like 50 movies a year coming out that are all just slashers, are all just Jallo's, and I mean. They're, they're churning them out and it's all to a formula because th- there's a formula um, and that's how they do things um, I think I, yeah I, I think I mean it's obvious why it's on the list as well it's a slasher movie called Graduation Day and let's be let's be honest about this one when it came to them making the list uh, you've got Friday the 13th, you've got all those ones that are named after these. It's, a quick, it's like how anything that had a power tool name or like a tool name, and well, it was just instantly put on the list because they're like, yeah, is that a horror movie? It's called The, the Toolbox. Right, that's on the list because um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre had already set that, that standout in British cinema of, yeah, if it's got anything remotely related to any sort of tools and death, it's off. The, it's straight on that list. So the box art, the box art too, is pretty great. It's like the picture yeah. of the chick screaming, like, and the axe is coming down and like shattering the glass. I think kind of. Yeah, that's usually a good indicator as well. Like it was like with Driller Killer. No one watched Driller Killer. They just saw that. <laughs> they just saw that cover and were like, that. Nope. Yeah, <laughs> like that. It's banned. <laughs> uh, cool. And um, I'm once again. This feels like I'm repeating myself. It is nasty. Uh, I mean, it does have a couple of gnarlier deaths. Um, I mean, it's, it's a good, fun movie, all the rest. But yeah, I kind of feel like uh, I want to, to swing in with another slap on the wrists for this one as well. So double slap on the wrists, which is not like me on these episodes. I'm usually a bit more like, eh, just like, yeah, case dismissed. But it's a slap on the wrist from me again. What about yourself? What are you thinking for graduation day? Well, I, I, when I when I approach this part of the show, I really try kind of to play devil's advocate and put my myself in the shoes of a censor back when this like list was actually made. And uh, with graduation day, I'm honestly I'm coming in way under what I would have with midnight, mostly just because overall tone. Like again, this is a thing. If they would have actually sat and watched this, this is uh, pretty goofy through a lot of this, and it's it's not really like. I have a hard, a way harder time taking something like graduation day seriously than like midnight, which I think is way more mean spirited. So, uh, I'd, I'd go slap on the wrist with graduation day. This, this one's getting off really light. Nice, nice. Right, we're going to take our last break of this episode where we return. I'm announcing what the next two movies are. I have seen one of them more times than I can count. Uh, the other one I've never seen before, and they're both Ooh. from the same year. So this could be interesting. Uh, we will find out what they are right after this. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. 
So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. And you've been listening to Doing the Nasty. This has been episode number five of season two. We've been continuing our jaunt through that tier three list of the video nasties. Covering on this episode, a little bit of Midnight from 1982 and Graduation Day from 1981. Mark Ball, are you ready to receive this gift of the next two movies? Yep, I haven't checked the list in a while, so I have no idea what you're about to say. Right, I've not seen this one, so I have no idea, but the, the cover artwork is Fucking amazing. Um, the first one we will be discussing on the next episode is a movie called The Nesting. Ooh, it's on YouTube in the States. Nice. Uh, from a 1981 synopsis is, A writer suffering from agoraphobia rents an isolated house so she can concentrate on her writing. She doesn't know that the house is a former brothel and is inhabited by the ghosts of dead prostitutes. <laughs> Whoa, holy fuck. This sounds so much like my jam. I don't know if I've ever said this on a podcast before, but sometimes I wonder if I'm slightly agoraphobic because I get weird anxiety kind of leaving the house. What was that movie we watched for the Euro Tour a couple years ago that was about the agoraphobic dude? Was that Citadel? Hey, it is Citadel, yeah. That gets, that, gets attacked and then, yeah, yeah. the Irish movie. It's fucking great. That's that's like one of the I think I've seen agoraphobia try to be done in a couple movies before I feel like and I think that's a really strong example so yeah this is this is ticking some boxes of shit that I'm like ooh <laughs> nice yeah so that's that's the first one um, the second one as if I need to give this any fucking introduction uh, 1981 second installment in the franchise we're going to be discussing some Sackhead Jason and Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Oh yeah. Cannot fucking wait. Like, cannot wait. Um, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so, so much fun. Uh, and the, the first journey uh, in Friday the 13th, I think the first two movies are on the list. So we will be doing that first one somewhere later on um, in our series. But yeah, our second movie will be Friday the 13th Part 2. I imagine you have seen that movie, Mark. Absolutely, absolutely. I haven't watched it for a while, but yeah, I've definitely seen that many, many times, and that, that's kind of perfect. This month we got graduation day because all the kiddies are uh, doing their their digital graduations this mm-hmm. year, and in June we get to go to summer camp. Yep, and nothing bad ever happens in summer camp. And that is what horror has taught us. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that episode will be coming up in June. So keep your eyes peeled for that one. Um, as always. Thank you very much for checking the show out. I hope you're having as much fun as we are recording them, even if the movies at times can be a bit shit. Uh, Mark, as always, I'd like you to plug where people can be checking out the stuff that you are doing. Uh, where can people check out your stuff? Uh, I'm definitely on the Letterboxd. It's just Fancy Space Mark. Uh, I'm doing the, like I said, we're, I'm in the middle of uh, Chattanooga Film Festival right now, so there'll be some reviews of that coming up. And uh, obviously, keep uh, keep tuned to the Teapots feed, the the main Teapots feed, because we're going to be recording for the summer series here pretty soon. I've been watching a shitload of movies for that <laughs> show because there's a lot of them I haven't seen apparently. Um, 
Follow me on the Instagrams for my photography stuff and pictures of horror toys and stop motion and uh, more recently some gardening stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, I had been noticing that we took a quick turn right to gardening. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it, I think it's all from like some of this quarantine shit. Like I remember early when all of this COVID stuff started happening, being like, I'm gonna check out some cooking shows because there's a pretty good chance we're gonna be cooking at home a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I think some it was the YouTube algorithms that did it to me. They're like, oh, you like cooking shows? Maybe you like some gardening shows. And turns out I really do. And I've like taken that up as kind of a another another hobby that is like fucking money hole kind of but uh, all hobbies are mark there's yeah, yeah. There, there's yet to the, i'll tell you what the only uh, hobby is that is not a money hole whistling <laughs> i mean I, like i guess if you consider like running like you do kind of like a hobby that's uh, I mean, i've just, just had to shell out a lot of money on running shoes though dude yeah yeah, yeah, I guess there is that. Every every hobby has its expenses, but uh, yeah. yeah, if if you're into gardening, I'm, I'm that, that's one thing I'm gonna take a break from Chattanooga is to go plant about 15 pumpkins. Nice this weekend because our our season Memorial Day weekend is like supposedly the last like frost basically. So after this weekend, you should be good to go to like put stuff out in the ground. So I'm nice. Going, first thing I'm growing, fuckload of jack lanterns. Why not? Why not? You, yep. you know, I mean, like, no one will be coming to your door trick-or-treating because, you know, COVID. Uh, but at the same time, <laughs> no, fuck them. <laughs> yep. It's more candy for you, Mark. And that's how I look yeah. at it. Hell yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks very much for listening to us. We'll be back next month with more Doing the Nasty. Until then, take care of yourselves and we'll speak to you all later. Bye. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.